Hello, welcome back to the Creative Tech Systems Podcast, now in stereo. So, this podcast, you know, I'm trying not to let it take over my life. I've, I'm realizing that I'm not very good at podcasting. I can see why people spend so much time and money on their microphone setup and all this stuff. It's it's really um, frustrating. You create a whole episode and then you realize, okay, there's too much wind because I'm outside or there's always something. Like right now, I'm sure there's background noises like I'm making coffee. And one episode I did, I, I thought I sounded too tired, which probably was true because it was the morning. And another episode, you could just hear, there was just too much, um, the microphone was too sensitive. So you're hearing every little detail in my voice and it was just, uh, way too much. And just, okay, so anyway, it's easy to be picky and I don't really, well, the first rule of podcasting is don't talk about podcasting. But I do feel like I should be putting out some kind of podcast content. Uh, I just don't want to give up on it. <laughs> I was ready to give up and thinking, I'm really much better at writing. But I'm going to keep trying to see if I can do this. So one idea I had today was just to talk about what's on my to-do list right now. And I think a good way of creating content, especially podcast content, um, is to work it into your schedule so it doesn't become such a tedious chore. You know, you have to streamline the process so it doesn't become something that you dread doing. And I think, you know, I've got my my process down more or less streamlined in terms of the technical part of it. I mean, I just plug in my voice recorder and I upload the file to a couple of different websites and boom, I'm on YouTube, I'm on uh, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and then I can easily embed those things. Um, I mean, it automatically gets pushed out to my website too if you need that capability. I'm a software developer. That's partly why I'm creating this podcast is because I'm a software developer and I want people to know about my business and maybe I'll pick up a new client. I'm also thinking I would like to be a guest on other shows, on other podcasts, and if they can, if these people, these podcasters can hear what I sound like beforehand, they can say, okay, this guy doesn't sound like he's a complete moron and you know maybe his equipment isn't the best he doesn't have the best studio in terms of blocking out background noise but you know i think he's probably going to be a good guest because he's interesting he's he's knowledgeable and he has a lot of good ideas he's very creative and he's not just going to regurgitate a whole bunch of stuff to my listeners that he said already on other you know podcasts because i always come up with new stuff and the other thing is I just had, just had a Joe Biden moment there. <laughs> uh, the other thing um, is, <laughs> I just totally lost my my frame of thought, but I'm thinking about, you know, why would a podcaster want me on their show and what would I um, have to contribute? And, like, if I didn't have a podcast, okay, I like to write. So, of course, one good thing to sell on your podcast is a book that's what i was thinking of i was thinking of okay podcasters probably don't want someone that's just being interviewed and it just sounds like they're reading from a script and then at the end of the script oh by the way i'm selling my book or i'm selling my service or my product i don't want to be one of those people where it just sounds so predictable and uh you know it's you know you know what i'm talking about it just sounds like someone's reading from a piece of paper and then at the very end it's like oh yeah and by the way buy my buy my book buy my service 
Um, I do, you know, one thing, my one criticism of a lot of podcast content and interviewers in general, they don't, okay, I really appreciate it when they, at some point in the interview they say, okay, well, how can people get in touch with you and, you know, what's your name and everything. Because sometimes people skip that part and then I just, you know, I just spent a whole hour learning from somebody really interesting and now it's like, okay, how do you spell your name? Like, what, where do I, where can I get more information? Like, I can't even, sometimes I can't even find these people just because the interviewer just skipped through it so fast or they didn't even mention the person's name in the show notes. So anyway, that's just a whole other pet peeve of mine. Um, but I, I was looking on my phone. Okay, because I'm not recording on my phone, I can actually use my phone here. I was on my phone today, and I, somehow, I don't know how this came up, I think it's because I'm on Facebook, and I belong to some podcasting groups. And when I turned on my phone today, there was a website called interviewconnections.com, and it says, okay, chat with our team now. Podcast interviews are one of the quickest and most effective ways to build more brand awareness. So they claim to have uh, worked with all these different brands, and then they had all these different people that said you know i was really happy with the interviews that i booked um to me this sounds like a great way of getting your message out there and to create some evergreen content um and i think this is really important now to get evergreen content because uh social media algorithms are constantly changing and a lot of content you know it goes through someone's feed and then it's gone forever it's like great i created a awesome instagram post a bunch of people liked it but then think about it okay you went you know you got some traffic or some visitors for one day or maybe even just one hour because you were in someone's instagram feed or you were in someone's linkedin feed but what about tomorrow now that content is just gone basically you're just like you know all that content that's in the bottom of your instagram no one's that stuff's it's not really going to be seen by very many people let's just be real you know even if you're famous i mean that's older stuff is just probably not going to be seen that much anymore so but the thing is with podcasts you know somebody might find your podcast five years from now and then they think wow this podcast is great and they're going to start listening to every single episode that's what i do i'm sure other people do the same thing even on youtube people do that youtube is evergreen um, I was just watching a gardening video about potatoes yesterday and people were in the comments saying hey I just discovered your channel and then all the commenters were like talking to each other about how addictive the content was and how they're still just trying to figure out like what's going on because this guy plays weird music in the background and people are just really confused like okay is this guy crazy or is he actually some kind of a genius he's like making references in the music to like what he's saying in the, the videos like really obscure music references and stuff so anyway um that i just know for a fact like there's evergreen content and then there's content that's not evergreen. Podcast content, I think, is more evergreen in that sense. Plus, I think it's good. Um, hopefully, if you got in someone's show notes, that's going to get uh, distributed all over the internet. Uh, because RSS feeds... Okay, here's the thing about podcasts. If you didn't know, they work on RSS feeds. And RSS feeds tend to get picked up just, you know, everywhere. Because of there's because there's RSS, RSS aggregators... And the aggregators just go around crawling RSS feeds. So if you end up in someone's show notes, there's a good chance that those show notes will be distributed over maybe hundreds or thousands of websites. And, you know, there could be benefits to that. Like, let's say someone is looking to do some business with you, and then they 
they just want to do a Google search on your business name or something. And maybe nothing shows up. Like for me, I did that the other day and really nothing came up because my business is still new. And there's so many other businesses with similar name like Tech Systems or Creative Tech or Creative Systems. I'm Creative Tech Systems. <laughs> Well, maybe it was an unfortunate name to choose, but it is what it is. Um, you know, this won't be my last business. I mean, I'm probably going to create more businesses learning from what I learned. But my point is with podcast show notes is if someone does, a, let's say you do a couple of interviews and those show notes get picked up around the Internet and then someone does a search for, you know, your business to see if they want to do business with you. And then they find out, wow, there's hundreds of, of pages of um, people talking about your business. Um on these podcasts that are getting crawled by Google. Even better if you could get a, an, an HTTP type of link because then I think the um, you might actually even get some backlinks from that. That would be amazing. But uh, So I think the more interviews, the better. You might even be able to get some backlinks from doing the show notes. Now, not every podcaster does show notes, so you, know, you might get lucky, maybe not. The other thing about podcasts is it's really hard to censor podcasting. I mean, think about if Joe Rogan, okay, those of you who don't know, I don't really listen to Joe Rogan, but I know who he is, and I know he says a lot of stuff that would probably get him banned from, you know, Facebook. He probably says stuff that would get him banned from YouTube, from LinkedIn. I mean, he would be banned on any other platform just because of the people that he's interviewing uh, are controversial. But the reason why he's still popular the reason why he hasn't been deplatformed is because podcasting the very nature of podcasting is it can't be easily censored because essentially this is just a bunch of rss feeds um now you could technically if you want to censor joe rogan i won't tell you how you could try to do that but the thing is his audience is already out there. If he got banned by his podcasting platform, people would just say, hey, uh, you know, Joe Rogan would, all he would have to do is just create his own .com, like JoeRogan.com, put his podcast on his RSS feed through some kind of a WordPress plugin. And that's something I could help you set up if you want to, but I think that's kind of going to an extreme. Like most people probably won't ever have to think about hosting their own podcast. Um, and I wouldn't recommend against it, and if you want to know why, I mean, I wouldn't recommend hosting your own podcast, and I'll tell you why, just ask me. I don't want to go down that the tangent, but um, it's better to go through a podcasting platform because they, they do the distribution for you. But someone like Joe Rogan, like hypothetically, if they did censor him through his platform, he could always just create his own RSS feeds, and then, you know... So what if he gets banned by iTunes? Doesn't matter, he can just be on all the other platforms. So what if he gets banned off Spotify? People could still find him on other platforms. So those other platforms that that were not as, um, let's just call it strict, <laughs> uh, you know, those other platforms which are more open to free speech and more lenient will end up getting more visitors and, you know, they'll develop a, a reputation for being more supportive of free speech. And so people will switch to the platforms that are the most open. So, you know, company like apple that's being very restrictive with their curation they're gonna end up with a smaller audience because you know they're just turning people away from that platform i mean i think itunes would be much more popular if they were more open and more forgiving i guess you could say but the word forgiving i mean that's kind of you know more lenient a little bit more encouraging of uh you know our first amendment you know hey they would have a much larger audience but itunes Google, I mean, look, these companies are making billions and billions of dollars, trillions probably. Well, what if, you know, 
what's who cares if their podcasting platform is not as big as it could be so that's another thing you know not you don't have to a lot of businesses that aren't really desperate for money they don't really care if they're curating and you know i can't really argue with that because you know personally like on my own website so i'm not just going to link to anybody i'm not just going to interview anybody uh you know i'm going to do business with or interview people that i think are really interesting and you know it's not like that's just normal you know uh, like when you decide who you're going to do work for professionally in your career you're not just gonna uh throw a dart at the phone book and be like okay yeah, i'll work at that random company so anyway that's just uh those are some reasons why i think podcasting is a really sturdy platform that allows you to reach a lot of people over a long period of time without having to worry about getting censored so easily you know like just and when i say censored i just mean you know there's a million different shades of being censored like maybe you're not technically shadow banned but for you know effectively most people most of the time are effectively shadow banned you know we wouldn't use the word shadow banned because that's a little bit um extreme to call it that but essentially most people most of the time are not prioritized in the various algorithms of course the algorithms that are out there are going to prioritize people that are famous popular people that tend to get a lot of clicks or attention and you know there are of course you you know there's exceptions people do grow from you know it takes time energy effort you know you make a hundred episodes eventually one of those episodes out of those hundred episodes one of those is going to get picked up and go viral usually unless you know you just really really boring which i know i've I've sort of accepted that i can be boring (laughs) there's no crime in that i mean i was just thinking when i um watch these white house press briefings and then um our vice president gets on there okay he's a real nice guy and he you can tell he's really trying you like he's waving his arms and he's trying to be animated and he's trying to get people i mean he's a he's a good person you can tell i, I mean i think he seems like he's really he cares at least it seems like it but then i just go straight to sleep because his voice is just so like i don't know it's just so uh i don't want to say monotone but it's a little bit it's a little bit monotone i can be i can be monotone I, t- I can be especially when i wake up in the morning i haven't had my i see i still haven't even had my coffee yet so I think when you're recording a podcast, you have to maybe go a little bit, um, you have to push yourself maybe to be a little bit more animated, a little bit more excited about what you're talking about than you normally would be in your day-to-day life. To me, that sort of uh, seems obvious, but it's not really something you think about. And I think everyone should try to be authentic. But then, you know, maybe your authentic self is just kind of boring. <laughs> then, you know, if you realize, okay, I need to create a podcast, maybe I just need to be a little bit more animated hey, how hard is it to be just a little bit more, you know, awake just for the time that you're recording the podcast? The rest of the time you can go through your day and just be, you know, kind of mumbling to yourself like you normally do. I had a writing professor and he had a really, he really focused on this a lot. He said, and he showed an interview with like some of the most famous authors in history and they were talking about their writing process and the books that they've written. And he says, okay, just pause like i want you to think about this he said you know these people on camera are just extremely boring he said you know they're like you just go right to sleep it's so boring um and he so he said there's no correlation between someone that's boring and they're 
you know, in person, someone that's really boring in person could just be a, a fabulous writer. It's just like Stephen King. You know, I think I think Stephen King was one of the people on there, and he's like, look at Stephen King. This guy is just completely boring, but he's the wealthiest author on the planet in terms of you know selling best-selling books. So why is that? Like, what's going on here? Um, it's just it's just a different format. Um, on the other hand, I don't think I'm think speaking for myself, but I think for everybody, we shouldn't just accept that. Okay, I'm not good at podcasting. I'm better at writing, or I'm better at video. I shouldn't do podcast. You know, whatever it is you think you're better at. Like personally, I'm a visual artist. I think I'd probably be better off just doing some paintings on camera, and not saying anything. I mean, that's really something I I would probably do if I thought it would. Uh, <laughs> be a better way for me to make a career but you know during a pandemic like who's buying abstract art i don't really i don't know you tell me um but <laughs> my point is i don't think people should give up just because you know, maybe they create some boring content no one subscribes i think there is hope for a lot of people uh on the other hand i think there are some people that are just at some point you should just give up and you know that's just uh what do you call that tough love i think gary vaynerchuk has said pretty much the same thing like maybe you just suck at it and you know sometimes you can improve but sometimes maybe you're just uh be i don't want to say beyond hope hopeless uh, i don't want to say that no i think any anyone that's really determined can get through it because especially you know if i i was one of i'm just reading my phone's messages here i could tell you that i was one of the shyest kids in school um and all i could talk about was computer technology but i didn't have anyone to talk about computers with uh, except for maybe my best friend <clears throat> um but even him i mean i didn't see him that often as i go as i got older so my point is that you might not have um a lot of practice just you know talking to the world in a in a format like a podcast you might not even have any practice talking to people in real life um and that could be just because you haven't read enough books. Your brain is just too small. <laughs> I mean, like, okay, you're a young person. Read some books. Get some perspective. Learn some vocabulary. Learn some new words. Learn some different kinds of phrases. You know, get, uh, try to broaden your vocabulary. That's, that's a really important. I don't think anyone really talks about how important it is to have a large vocabulary. And how do you even know how to use these words that you're learning? You have to read books. And the more you read, the better you're able to express what you're trying to say. And then you don't even have to think about it as much. You're like, hmm, which word should I use to explain what I'm trying to communicate? Um, so that was some good advice that I got from one of my friends who is, a rapper he's a performer in paris now he moved to paris he was performing in new york really talented guy that i went to art school with and i started hanging out with him because i broke up with my girlfriend and then i needed uh we were both we had to do a senior show for our final graduation project so we chose each other to do our senior show together and then he sort of in, through that show he introduced me to this whole world of like open mic performances you know like spoken word open mic poetry slams slam slam poetry all this uh there's just like a whole underground community of poets out there and when i say poets a lot of them are not rhyming i mean it's just like that's another podcast for another day just the whole slam poetry scene in florida or just the poetry scene in florida at least when i was back in gainesville um right after right around y2k that time period 
Um, and I think, you know, so that's why it's, that's why I shouldn't, I'm realizing I shouldn't give up doing a podcast because I probably have a lot more experience doing this than most people. So it's, I know that I shouldn't give up on podcasting because I do have a lot of practice. I mean, I've performed in front of hundreds of people hundreds of times and maybe my, you know, poems or whatever I was doing up there on stage, maybe that just wasn't the most interesting, but I do, I do have a lot of practice doing it. So I think, but, okay, getting back to my friend, he gave me some advice. He said, you know, before, if you want to write better poetry, you have to read more books because, you you know, otherwise you don't really have anything to say or you just don't know how to say it. Uh, so I would recommend uh, maybe listening to people that are interesting and learn as much as you can about things that um, interest you. I won't tell you what I listen to, but maybe I will at some other point. But in this, you know, I don't think everybody should listen should listen to the same information because then, you know, I don't want to create a bunch of clones, people that sound like me. I don't think anyone will ever end up sounding like me because I have a very unique life experience. Uh, that's uh, that's a whole another story. Um, yeah, so pursue your own interests, and eventually you will have created something. Well, pretty much everything that you're doing is unique. And there will be people that say, hey, you sound like... I get that all the time, you know. Someone will meet me and say, hey, you really remind me of that singer from that band I know. Or, you know, like, hey, uh, you you remind me... You sound like a beat poet. I've got I've heard that a few times. Hey, you sound like a beat poet. Like I don't really. I've that's probably because I listen to a lot of other people that listen to beat poetry, but I'm not a beat poet. I don't even really follow any of that beat poetry stuff. Like I just never really interested me. It never interested me to just go research it. Maybe because I don't want to end up sounding like a beat poet. It just it doesn't interest me at all. Really, I, poetry doesn't really. Um, I don't really seek out poets or poetry because frankly, a lot of poetry is really boring. Especially at this point in my life, like when I was doing poetry, I was younger, and I just, let's just say I sort of feel like I've outgrown it. I think the higher form of poetry is really songwriting, because songwriting is essentially it's poetry, but then you add, you're adding a musical element to it, so you have to have, like, three skills. You have to have, you know, the, the writing skills, you have to have... The language skills, and then you have to have the musical ability, and I don't really have um, the musical training. You know, I'm, I'm lacking that thing. So I really admire songwriters uh, just because they have they have the ability. And I've written a couple of songs that I didn't really take it that seriously, and then it's you know I always read these things after I've created them, and I think you know it's just kind of embarrassing. But I did actually, I was at the library one day and somebody was organizing a poetry show at the library. And I was, I need to take a break from my work. So I just stepped in there and then it was like a poetry event. And then I just signed up my name and I just happened to have some, um, I had, I had been posting some poems in my phone because I was posting them on Instagram back then, which uh, I, since then I've deleted all that stuff just because it's pretty... N nobody seemed to care, and it was just kind of embarrassing. But um, at the time, I was at the library, there was all of these other poets there that were really into poetry, and they really appreciated what I was doing. So that was fun, you know, when you're around people that are interested in what you're doing. Um, does you know, it's, it does validate. It does validate you. Uh, you know, it doesn't seem like so pointless if there's other people that appreciate it, what you've done. 
and that applies to anything like really if if you're in your small town and you're the only one that's really into some particular hobby and it's just but then you go to a conference and you find out wow there's like hundreds of other people that are really into this too and that's so you know it's a good feeling it's really fun to have some other people to share your interests with and i think okay with the pandemic people are people some people are calling it the pandemic i'm calling it the virus uh i think this whole thing okay more of the truth is going to come out now that the uh it turns out i read some people on twitter saying the CDC was hacked, Bill Gates was hacked, the Bill and Melinda Foundation was hacked, the uh, World Health Organization was hacked, Wuhan Virus Research Lab was hacked. Okay, that w- sort of made the news. Like, okay, wh- what did we learn from all of these hacks? Like, I didn't click on the stuff, but I'm pretty sure if all of those organizations were hacked, we should be getting some news about, like, what's really going on with this virus. But, you know, forget all of that. I don't want to focus too much on the virus, but one thing I want to point out is that um, there's doctors now coming out saying, look, nobody's dying from this. Somewhere between maybe 5 5 to 15%, let's just say 10%, roughly 10% of the population probably has a coronavirus, some kind of respiratory virus. Was it created in a lab on purpose? I don't think it even matters. The, the, the thing that matters is that 10% of the population has it. Like 99.9% of people that get it do not have any... They're asymptomatic. They don't have any problem with it. So this thing is not dangerous. And I think we all got scared because we looked at what was happening in China. People were welded into their homes. They were being, um, you know, it looked, there was photos that were leaking out of mass graves it just looked like hey the, why are they digging a mass grave um are, are they incinerating people we i mean we're not even sure like there was speculation are they incinerating people like and then there was people like speculating okay well what happened to um, there was like a million subscribers that just disappeared from this phone company's um user base like how does a phone company lose a million subscribers during this virus like were they were these people sort of like um erased you know did they, did they go down the uh, 1984 um you know information hole did they just did their lives just get kind of like deleted from from reality uh and nobody knows like nobody's really talking about this but they're but they're well no some people are talking about it but there's no answers we don't know and like donald trump has said in many press conferences he said well we don't really trust the numbers coming out of china we don't know what's going on there uh it, we just don't know nobody knows but i think but what we do know or at least what i think we can safely say is that if we had not seen all these horrifying images coming out of china you know with with the trucks spraying the streets and people locked welded literally welded into their homes and they couldn't leave their homes such that they were throwing their trash out the window and um there, there i did i saw a photo of some guy just hung himself from a tree like in, in, on the street like there was just like a, a normal street with the sidewalk and then there was like a tree there with a guy hanging from it he just like hung himself uh i mean <laughs> what was going on there well we we know a couple of things that were going on there there was like protests a lot of uh, protests that were getting a lot of attention in the world there was some kind of basketball controversy where you know basketball players were um i I wasn't really following the story but essentially china withdrew a bunch of their funding from the basketball and uh, that was a big controversy and i think it was bringing more and more attention to the problems in china and then there was also i heard in wuhan there was also some environmental protests about the air being dirty okay so 
respiratory virus, dirty air. Was there a connection? I mean, I was thinking maybe there was a connection there, but now I'm thinking, okay, let's just, you know, there was all kinds of stuff going on. There was, there was a lot of people, I don't want to say people, there were a lot of different possible motivations for what happened. I mean, I, I just sat down one day and I probably listed about 15 different things that could have motivated uh, the release of this virus. Like, you know, who's going to benefit from this? I and mean, there's just so many different angles. Like, if this was intentional, which it probably was. I mean, at this point, I think it's there's a lot of evidence indicating that it probably was intentional. We don't really know. I'm not saying it was intentional, but you know, let's just say it was intentional. And there, there was a lot of uh, different motivating factors there. Um, and I think it just comes back to the United States had a... a an unreasonable response to this thing because of what we because the because of the information that we were getting from just from from China and from other places you know websites various websites the internet the media all the information that was available indicated like this thing could be really dangerous and even I think there's no denying that uh, even now I think the media is still really uh, trying to play up the fear because they're probably making more money than they've made in their whole lives because, look, people are stuck at home. They're trying to get information. So this is perfect for them. They have a captive audience. People are afraid, and they're watching the news. I mean, this is like... This is better than a hurricane. I mean, this is better than uh, the O.J. Simpson trial. I mean, this is like they've they've got you stuck, literally, like, locked in your home. So, they're okay. And, you know, it's unreasonable for me to assume that they're looking out for their own. Just follow the money. Like, okay. So, anyway, the media. Um, you know, do they have any credibility? Does the media have credibility? Oh, maybe, maybe... Maybe this thing is... I think nobody really knows for sure how dangerous this virus is. But let's look at the facts. I think doctors are saying, hey, look at the facts. Lots of people infected, few people dying. Lots of people afraid, few people dying. Um, it's time, I really think, it's time to assure everybody, hey, look, it's not as bad as we thought. Initially, the models looked really scary because we were predicting a lot of death. It turns out this thing is not as dangerous as we thought. We made a, mis we made a mistake. We, we, we were cautious. We were extra cautious. Of course, you want to be cautious in any kind of situation like this. You want to be extra careful. But it turns out it wasn't as dangerous as we thought. We don't really know why for sure, but it probably has something to do with, maybe has a little bit to do with social distancing. Okay, so some doctors compared the theory of did social distancing really make an impact and really it didn't make a significant impact hardly anyone is dying from this in places where there's no social distancing so i think donald trump he should correct himself he should correct what he said because he he was said he said it multiple times in press conferences that the countries that didn't do social distancing were bad off i think that's not true because uh, i don't remember if it was sweden or finland or one of these countries they didn't have social distancing and they were fine they only had like a thousand deaths uh which is like the same as california like about a thousand deaths um you know and, and i bet if you look at the death certificates if you looked in, if you researched the people that died those 1000 people they probably would have died from a pneumonia anyway they probably were unhealthy like people are the doctors are saying high blood pressure obesity you know pre-existing comorbidities these people people that did not have a comorbidity they're not dying if you don't have a comorbidity you don't have to be afraid of this virus um 
And so people like this Dr. Shiva, they're getting a lot of attention because he's, he's saying stuff that I think everyone should listen to, which is, hey, stop being afraid of the virus. Maybe take some vitamin C, you know, get some exercise, get some fresh air, get some sunlight. And as we just found out on, on the last um, White House briefing yesterday, the best thing you could do is to go outside and get some sunlight, get some, okay, the three things that kill the virus, SHH, sunlight, heat, humidity. Shh, that's my acronym. <laughs> Shh, sunlight, heat, humidity kills the virus. So it turns out the beach is the best place that you could have been this whole time. If you were on the beach this whole time, sipping your margarita, your uh, pina colada, your uh, Mai Tai, you would have been fine because the virus just, it would have died instantly in the, on the beach. It's, it's hot there, it's humid there, and there's a lot of sun on the beach. I mean, there's a ton of sun. I mean, there's... If you've ever gone to the beach just to get a tan, you need, the reason why you get a tan on the beach is because if you look at the sand, the sand is like, it's never flat, or sometimes it is, but if you, if you go to the beaches that I've been to, where people walk around on the beach, the sand isn't flat, it's kind of, uh, it, it's wavy. And so what happens is the sun hits the sand, hits those waves, and it scatters in like a million different directions. So that's why you get suntan so quickly out on the beach. It's because the sun is just reflecting everywhere off these little shiny seashell fragments. I mean, it's, it's I mean, nature's uh, cleansing. I mean, probably if you want to get cleansed, go to the beach, you're getting fresh air like straight off the ocean. That's uh, my doctor. I had really bad allergies when I was a kid. And he said, there's two places to go if you have bad allergies. The beach, fresh air off the ocean, and the desert. There's no pollen or mold or dust in the desert because nothing's growing there. <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's just common sense. Okay, so anyway, uh, enough, enough about the virus. I wasn't even planning to talk about the virus. Okay, we're 45 minutes into this. So my, my plan now um, with this podcast try to do it daily if i you know miss a few days no big deal shoot shoot for the stars and then i'm thinking i'll try to instead of talking about current events i'm not this is one not going to be a health channel or a current events channel i think what i'm going to focus on of course is i want to encourage people to use my services to hire me to work on their websites and their blogs to host their um to host their blogs because most of my business is wordpress hosting let's just get that out there like if you have an idea for a blog or let's say you have a youtube channel but you don't have a blog yet you got a podcast you don't have a blog yet you got an instagram channel you don't have a blog yet you really need to have a, a a dot com and i'll do a whole episode if i remember about why it's so important to have a dot com to preserve your business because like i was saying earlier you know you can end up shadow banned you can just end up deleted the business can go out of business you know myspace went out of business basically i mean it's not well i think it's still there now but these accounts just disappear over time and if you're older like me you know that these things just go through you know it's this the market adoption curve like if you know anything about marketing there's the curve goes up and it goes down you know one day you're famous and then then you're not like Andy Warhol said you know everybody's gonna get 15 minutes of fame and then then you're out of it you're out of it you're out of it the, you're not famous anymore I mean some of the most famous people in the world if you ask people today who they who they were a lot of people won't even know like who are you who's that never heard of them so that's that's one i mean of course you know i can't i can't make you famous but if you get if you get a dot com it's like having a phone number or an address that's permanent there's a lot of benefits to having a permanent phone number and address people can find you five ten years from now um and that's 
coincidentally, that's really good for your credit score. And you can sort of think of your website as a key part of your business credibility. And in fact, um, when you're trying to build business credit, your business credit score is, uh, you know, your website is an essential part of your business credit score. Let's just put it that way. So moving on, um, I'm thinking, so one aspect of the show will be me talking about business, maybe try to encourage people to use my services. Why is my service better than the other people out there? You know, why should you go with me instead of someone else? It's not just because I'm so interesting and cool. <laughs> I mean, there are a lot of reasons why you should use me to um, work on your your uh, website or your blog. Um, the main reason is I've, I'm right there with you. Like I, I started out as a blogger. I started out as uh, someone that wanted to create content, create a content business, a content marketing, all this stuff interested me. And I found out that I wasn't able to pay people to do what I needed them to do because they just weren't as, they just weren't invested in in, in my business so that I wasn't getting good service. I know, I knew that based on my experience, I knew that I wasn't getting good service. I knew that I was being overcharged. I knew that, um, you know, I could tell that these companies were falling short because they were just, they were getting hacked. This, the websites would, would go offline um, and so on. There was a lot of problems. So I've been doing this for decades, literally 35 years now. And you might be thinking, well, that was before the internet. But yeah, I was doing this even before the internet because we had something called bulletin board systems, which were very similar to uh, hosting websites and blogs. But anyway, so that's going to be one part of the show. I mean, uh, if I'm not talking about my business, then what's the point of even having the podcast? Uh, I mean, that might be a little bit boring to you. I don't know. But I think there will be some people that find it interesting. And it will be my job to try to make it more interesting for people that aren't really necessarily interested in all the technology because I can be a technical person. But I don't just want a bunch of technical people listening to me because they're not the ones that are really using me, uh, using my services. I don't, I'm sorry, but I don't want to work for some technical person because, you know, two technical people working on something, it's just like too many chefs in the kitchen, what do they call that? You know, the, there's a, you know, just too many chefs in the kitchen is a bad recipe you know i'm your technical person and you know if you, so i like working with creative people business owners people that are people that own the business if you have a small business you're a one man one woman show and you need somebody to just handle the website like here i have some changes to make just you know i don't want to even think about how you're going to get this done just get it done like that's the kind of relationship that I like. I don't want someone looking over my shoulder and being and saying, "Oh yeah, well you should indent that there." Oh, you know, oh you could have done it a different way. Yeah, no kidding. I've been doing this for 35 years. Like, don't you think I know what I'm doing? <laughs> like, I don't really need some kid telling me like how to do something at this point. 35 years into it. I'm sure there's a lot of smart technical people out there. Maybe some of you are listening, but you know, I'm sorry, you're not my target market. So it's going to be a challenge for me to try to create content that will be interesting to people that are not technical. And so I think I need to think about this podcast as addressing a target market, which would be small business owners, people that are content creators, bloggers, other podcasters, video creators, you know, maybe people that have hobbies, maybe someone that doesn't even have any kind of online platform yet and they're just trying to get into it or maybe it's a large business that has a website and maybe it's failing miserably maybe they're spending millions of dollars on their website and they're not getting anything out of it 
you know, maybe they're not making sales. And they think, hey, look, I could just fire like 10, 15, 20 people that are working on the website now. I could just get rid of them and just hire PJ Bernay. And he can, you know, he can get the get the phone ringing so my salespeople can actually, you know, make some sales. So, <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying you should fire everybody, but I mean, <laughs> it might actually be worth think, considering because I've... I know for a fact there's a lot of businesses that are just doing their website the wrong way. And that's something I can talk about on another podcast another day because we're almost at an hour here. Another thing I'm going to talk about on this show, and if you listen to the first episode, you can hear me talking about what I'm going to talk about. I was focused mostly on content marketing for that. You know, that was what I was saying the show was going to be about mostly was content marketing. But also, I'm going to be looking at my to-do list for the day and thinking, hmm, what do I have to do here for today? Like, looking at what I have to do, you know, would any of this stuff be interesting to people that are listening? And it'll be sort of, like I was saying, you know, if you don't, if this isn't fun for you, if this is not a useful exercise for you to go talking on your podcast and creating content. I mean, obviously you want to create content about stuff that's interesting to you and all my to-do list is interesting to me because this is the stuff that I need to work on. So if so that's going to be good stuff for me to talk about like when I wake up in the morning I look at what I have to do today and then I can launch into a quick podcast they're not all going to be an hour but maybe they will will be but I'll you know look at my to-do list and say okay this is what I have to you know some of what I have to do this would make a good topic for the for the podcast I want to talk about this and maybe this is something I need to think through on the podcast and some of those things might be technical but hopefully I'll try to keep it focused on business and content creation so anyway hopefully that was interesting and look me up on uh linkedin um, but you know email me just email me ceo at creativetechsystems.com or uh yeah that's just probably the best way to get in touch with me because linkedin i'm it's it's great but the whole thing with uh i don't know if any of it's true with with what's going on with bill gates but there's a lot of bad stuff coming out and i know linkedin is probably not really closely associated with bill gates because he supposedly left the board of directors but mm, i I don't want to go there too much but um i am just not not just to be cautious but i would i'm planning to one of the things i'm planning to do on my to-do list is take all the information on my linkedin and present it on my website Um, so that way when recruiters say hey can we get a you know a lot of times recruiters contact me wanting me to do some work for one of their clients and I don't say no because I, you know, this is what I do. Like if someone needs me to do some work, a lot of times, I mean, I would like it to be the owner of the company contacting me, but like a lot of times it's a recruiter that's want, that's contacting me on behalf of, you know, whatever organization. Like that's just how it works. And what happens is a lot of the recruiters say, hey, I need a recent, recent resume from you. And I tell them, well, I got two resumes. I got one that's exported from LinkedIn. They never want that. That's nine pages. And I think that's the most impressive because it has nine pages worth of, you know, recent information that I keep updated. It's uh, comprehensive. My resume is just two pages. And I don't keep it updated because my resume is a, it's like, um, it's a visual document that shows what I'm capable of doing, not just in terms of the information that's in the document, but it's also the way that I present it. I put a lot of thought into how I'm presenting the information because I want it to look good in order to show my potential clients like, hey, this guy knows how to present information in a coherent way that looks good. 
everything's balanced and that's not just something you can easily do like every time I get a new client or a new skill I can't just easily add it to um, a two-page PDF that's been you know arranged very carefully so I think what I need is something that's more flexible and dynamic and comp something that's both comprehensive lengthy you know it has all the keywords in there but it also I want something that looks good that's up to date and I think that's going to end up being an HTML page because it's searchable. Someone can go on Google and say, "Hey, I need I need a developer that has capable uh, that has experience with these you know tools." And if that's an HTML on my website, and someone can go there and say, "Oh wow, look, he's got like an eight-page resume. I can print this out, hand it to the you know whoever needs to look at it." Um, you know, that's not going to look as good as a PDF, but, you know, it's going to look better than an export coming out of LinkedIn. And the reason why they don't want to give that LinkedIn export to their clients, because, let's face it, they're a middleman, and if they hand my resume over to someone, they can just say, well, why do I need you as a middleman? Why do I need the recruiter? I can, look, I got the person's information right here. I could just go right around the middleman and get to that person directly. So I think that's one reason why they don't want the LinkedIn export is because it's just too hard for the recruiters to remove your contact information um, out of that resume. So that's one reason why they don't like it. And I think what they can, I mean, what they could do is they could just print the resume off LinkedIn, get some white out, old school, white out the person's contact information, and then just like scan it in, but they're too lazy to do that. They just, you know, they don't want to do it that way. So anyway, yeah, that's, I'm over an hour now. So yeah, hope that, so I hope, I hope that was interesting and uh, get in touch with me if you want. But you know, if you're, if you are on LinkedIn, send me a, send me a LinkedIn uh, request.